You did all this to fool three of your friends? They must be kind of special friends. They are, they are indeed very special friends. You've just made a wrong turn heading south onto strange highways. Enter Death's waiting room, if you dare. And welcome to Strange Highways. I am Paul. And I'm Kevin. And uh, it's a rare treat, folks. Like, we don't always get to record in the same room, but it always ends up involving one of us having to bring an item to another, to one's house, and then we sit down inside to record. Yeah, I had to uh, bring the crock pot back. So, (laughs) (laughs) very exciting stuff, guys. Yeah, it was just, you know, like, it wasn't like secret plans or anything. It It wasn't like a large, pointy art installation that's spinning constantly that you had to bring over. Yeah, I... My uh, my wife got home while I was watching that episode, and uh, I paused it, and I was like, "Can you come in here real quick?" And she she came in. And I was like, "I would like that for Christmas." <laughs> <laughs> she was like, "I don't know what that is." Um, that I'm like, sure there's an Etsy or some like someone has that they've probably made it. You know, yeah, like yeah. Well, I, we'll probably get into it. Um, there is a set design on this that I would like a uh, hidden subfloor <laughs> in my house to look like. Yeah, uh, there, there's definitely there. There is a visual flair to the episode we're going to talk about that I that is um that is that is lacking in other parts of the episode. So we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. Not to tip our hat too much, uh, but yeah, this is a uh, season three, episode seventeen. One more Paul Bear. Uh, air date is January twelfth, nineteen sixty two. Number one film is a El Cid El Cid El Cid. Number one song. Uh, we talked about this before. On season, uh, sorry, episode six, the mirror about how how Chubby Checker, uh, the twist came back and became number one again, and we kind of just joked about how it only been a, a hit a year before, and like this was like a big deal because it was the only song to come to become number one again after leaving the charts, hmm. which I don't think that's still true, but I like that it's like it was only a year, and everyone's like, oh shit, Chubby Checker, I forgot about him. Let's listen <laughs> to that just song. Went out and bought the record all over. Again. Yeah, well, maybe it's like. Uh, there were a few years where both me and my dad, uh, for like three Christmases in a row, both kept buying the Johnny Cash Christmas album because <laughs> we didn't think we had it. Oh, so you just so kept buying it. We both kept buying it. And uh, like, hey, dad, I got the uh, I got Johnny Cash Christmas. And he was like, oh, I actually just bought that, too. We ended up with like six copies in the house because <laughs> we kept forgetting that we kept buying it. So maybe everyone's like hearing the twist on the radio. They're like, or oh, yeah, like, we should go get that. We should go pick up that record. Never forgot they bought it a year ago. <laughs> that's funny. The, the Johnny Cash Christmas album. That's uh, a yeah. was that like the staple in the household was the Johnny Cash Christmas album? Because no, I know we just we were both big country fans and, you know, trying to find a new Christmas record to listen to so i i don't ever remember actually like listening to it no, that's the thing like, well, you should go buy a copy so you have one i i always end up every year buying a bunch of christmas weird christmas albums and everything i don't know how this turned into a christmas talk um 
But that was just the one for a few years. I was like, that's what I need to hunt down, not knowing that we had five <laughs> copies in the house already. I was just going to mention, because like, the go-to for, for my mom has always been the Kenny Rogers Christmas album. Like, oh, I think yeah. I have that thing memorized, you know, yeah. for, like, good and bad. Like, <laughs> Yeah. My dad was always classic, like, Rat Pack and stuff like that. A lot of, like, jazzy Christmas stuff, so. That that's more appropriate than uh, Kenny Rogers talking about sad people not getting what they want, not getting what they want, but getting what they truly need on Christmas. But anyway, <laughs> that's neither here nor there. Uh, Chubby Checker brought the twist back, and and we're all the better for it. So uh, the day after this episode aired, um, all I had for for a history was uh, with the United States having halted its U two flights over the Soviet Union, which we talked about previously about the big uh, spy planes and stuff going over. Uh, the Republic of China began regular U-2 surveillance flights over the People's Republic of China with a group of American-trained pilots nicknamed the Black Cat, Black Cat Squadron. That's just a badass name. That like, is. Yeah. So that, so, I want a patch of that. Yeah. Like, I just <laughs> thought that was cool that they're like they was just American pilots or American-trained pilots, and I like that squadron name. So there, there's your uh, there's your history. Because uh, whoever's on Wikipedia, they got to put every single bit of NASA Goings on and then like everything military related. Like that's about it. That's all yeah. that was happening. <laughs> yeah, apparently in that's the fifties and sixties. Uh, yeah, so we'll jump into cast and crew here. This episode was directed by Lamont Johnson, who we just talked about last episode <laughs> yeah. on Nothing in the Dark. Um, but first time we discussed him was all the way back in the episode Shelter. So if you want to hear us discuss his career, definitely go check that episode out. And this episode was written by Rod Serling. Yeah, who'd have thought Lamont Johnson would be like pigeonholed as a Twilight Zone director dealing with uh, with bunker scenarios and <laughs> yeah. the way people react to things? Like they like, certainly been like, you know who I want to bring in for this one? Lamont Johnson. You know, yeah, I'm sure he was really excited <laughs> to see this teleplay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, shoo. I I you know not again not to get too much into it, but this is probably one of the weirdest episodes we've seen hands down, just in terms of concept and pacing yep. is just weird um so in a lot of ways it's going to be fun to talk about in a lot of ways i've been dreading this so uh <laughs> yeah, anyway let's get into the cast yep so cast we have joseph wiseman as paul raiden and uh he is most well known for the character dr no from dr no the first james bond film yeah and so the, which think- was not the first james bond book i found out last year because i started reading the book and i was like man i feel like i'm missing something I realized Casino Royale was the first Oh, that, that makes sense. But okay. yeah, Dr. Yeah. No is the first James Bond one, but he plays a very similar role to this one in this episode, you, and it was the same year as this. Do you think he got cast in that where it's like, hey, we've seen your bunker work. Can you... Yeah. Can we, we've seen your scene-chewing bunker work. We well, have a part for you. As much as I love this bomb shelter and this underground lair in this, it does not hold a candle to the Dr. No lair. That's because. true. You show me screenshots. Like I'll be honest. I'm not the most versed in Bond. Um, I've watched, I've watched all the, the the Craig ones except for Spectre, which I heard is quite good. Um, but like I, I just I don't know something about I just was never a Bond person growing up because I always felt like for some reason he's supposed to be a human being, like he's he's the best spy, right? But I always just feel like he just he, he's like invincible. And I just something about those movies I had no interest because it's like well Bond's going to come out in the end. But I love superhero movies that have the same solution. Yeah. So I don't know what's wrong with me where I'm like Bond. That's bullshit. Spider Man. Now I can get behind that. Whatever. I don't know. Yeah. It, it's it's all spectacle. I mean yeah. that's what led into like Hollywood blockbusters mm-hmm. and all those kind of those Bond movies and everything. But I just I'm I'm I've actually not seen all the Daniel Craig ones and I haven't seen a lot of the later ones. Um, but I, I love 1960s and 50s spy stuff. So uh, those uh, the old 
Bond, especially Dr. No and like Thunderball and stuff. Those are those two movies in particular, some of my favorites. So I was really excited to see Joseph Wiseman pop up in this. He, uh, he was described as the spooky, spookiest actor in American theater. I have no doubt about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Straight uh, sociopath in this episode. Um, this is his only appearance though on Twilight Zone. Uh, guy had a lot of work, a lot of TV work. Um, another movie, I had never seen this one, but I might have to check it out, called Lawman with Burt Lancaster. Mm. Nice Western. Looked very fun. But I, I do love Burt Lancaster, so I'll have to check that out. Those are like, um, they, they get to like the, the place, and it's like a, it's a earthen basement like lair like it's just dug, dug into the dirt like, like, for it's some not, reason just has weird metal statues like. yeah but there's not there's not like an aquarium but it's just like a it's whole full of snakes uh, <laughs> like, just like, a dirt pit full of snakes yeah. <laughs> that'd be awesome or it's just a horse yes just like, but a really evil looking horse yeah, yeah yeah with a magnifying glass to make it look bigger yeah <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. I, I, I know that's not in the movie Lawman, but it needs to be. Let's yeah. <laughs> uh, next up, we have Catherine Squire, who plays Mrs. Langsford, who uh, this was her only Twilight Zone episode, but she was in one episode of Johnny Midnight, and she was in uh, Paul's favorite Western, Riding the Whirlwind. Really? Was she? Where was she in that? Uh, I think she was uncredited. Oh, okay. she was no, in it. Yeah, as was the as was the screenplay for that. No, no, no. <laughs> I know Jack Nicholson wrote it, but I feel like there was nothing on the screen. But no, I, I guess she has another Twilight Zone appearance. Maybe I, my 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 information's wrong. Oh yeah, um, no, I did write one um, other Twilight Zone. Uh, she grew up in Ohio, and she began her acting career at the Cleveland Playhouse. So yeah. there you go. Yeah, not too far from us. Uh, Defiance, I think it's. A, yeah, yeah. Uh, but Johnny Midnight, I wrote that down. But riding the whirlwind, it's weird how my mind must have just skipped right over that when I was looking up her uh, filmography. I'd say it huh. just blew right past it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, next up, we have Trevor Bardet, who plays Colonel Hawthorne. Who this was his only Twilight Zone. I promise. Um, he was in a ton of war and western movies and TV. Um, and another Western you covered on the year of the Western, oh. Johnny Guitar. Oh, well, a much better one. I didn't, you know, sh- yeah. I missed that. Okay, yeah. Uh, Johnny Guitar, definitely worth checking out. Um, Riding the Whirlwind, not so much. Yeah, I recommend <laughs> Riding the Whirlwind. <laughs> um, you got anything else for Trevor Bardet? No, I wrote down a lot of TV Westerns and film Westerns, and for some reason I didn't write down Johnny Guitar. It's funny. <laughs> um, some, I, some of these people have like 200 plus credits mm-hmm. and it's so easy the tv ones stick out just because you have like tons of episodes under them but then like the movies they'll just slip by and you're like oh wait a second that's a gone with the wind <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah. like, like that almost slipped right past me um so next up we have gage clark who plays reverend hughes and this was his only twilight zone episode and the only other thing i wrote down was the bad seed yeah i wrote that down too i've not seen it but i know that's of note yeah pretty famous movie um Next up, we have a returning actor, uh, Joseph Elik. Elik? Elik? I don't know, who plays the electrician. And we talked about him previously on the Obsolete Man episode. Yeah, he was the subaltern, which, yeah. I mean, he got a uh, demotion just being the electrician in this. <laughs> yeah. I think that's who you hear at the very beginning. Where yeah, he was, like, he was yeah. the, because the other electrician was uncredited, so yeah. I assume it was he was the speaking role out of the two of those guys. Uh, then we have Ray Galvin, who plays the cop at the end of this. Um only Twilight Zone appearance, but he had three interesting uh, things. One of my favorite horror movies from the 70s, Simon, King of the Witches. Mm, I which don't know this. Involves a uh, warlock. Uh, he's he's kind of this like hippie, weird, new agey dude that just lives down in the um, drains. 
like hmm. the runoff in the sewer. Okay. And uh, yeah, he's got a little homeless shelter that he practices witchcraft down in the sewers. Okay. Yeah, that's okay. great. And he's got like this gay sidekick that just like follows him around <laughs> into the sewers. It's <laughs> uh, okay. I'm I'm interested. Yeah, it's it's awesome. It's one of the most bizarre movies I've ever seen. Um, not so much in like what happens. It's just the overall. Just it, just. The whole film, hmm. just by itself, is just bizarre well, in I, nature. Like, the, like, he's a he's a witch that lives. He's a homeless witch that lives in the sewers. I, I just there's something about the '70s where there is like, you know what? Why not? I just feel like there's a lot of those movies where it's like the reality that we're presenting there that has no grounding. But whatever, we're going to tell a weird story, you know. And I've, and yeah. but but they treat it like a lot of those are treated very straight faced. So it gives it some type of credibility, as ridiculous as some of those premises are. I respect that. Yeah. It's great, but at like one point, his uh, his home, quote unquote, gets uh, flooded during a storm. So all of his belongings and everything are floating away down the sewer. <laughs> so him and his uh, him and his friend are trying to save it all, and they get ambushed by some Ninja Turtles. It's a yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a, it was a prequel to Casey Jones and uh, Ninja Turtles. <laughs> awesome, uh, but yeah, and he was also in a, this one. I haven't seen Unholy Rollers. Which is a uh, is 70s a, movie about uh, roller derby. Oh, I was about to make a roller derby joke. And that sounds, yeah. Okay. It's I've actually got... a roller derby. It <laughs> looks really awesome. It has a really cool poster. Um, and then he was also in the uh, classic exploitation movie, Candy Strip, uh, Candy Stripe Nurses. Well, I, I also wrote down he was in a film, because the, the description like threw me off. It's called Deadhead Miles. And it's the story of a long-distance trucker and his experiences on the road, written by Terrence Malick. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> so I was just like, I was like, that seems kind of pedestrian. What is going on here? You know, so huh. it and might be, it might be an interesting film, or and it might just been a paycheck for. Might be amazing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, his only Twilight Zone. So that's all I got. Cast yep. and crew. That's all. That's all we got. There's not many people here, and sometimes that's okay. Sometimes, like, like, uh, not. It, that, it wasn't as easy as last uh, episode. No. That- <laughs> <laughs> that's true but not by much more it was like maybe like was it um four more people maybe yeah, yeah. yeah. so all right um yeah let's just get into uh one more pallbearer and let sterling take it away what you have just looked at takes place 300 feet underground beneath the basement of a new york city skyscraper it's owned and lived in by one paul Raiden. mr Raiden is rich eccentric and single-minded how rich we can already perceive, how eccentric and single-minded we shall see in a moment. Because all of you have just entered the Twilight Zone. And Mortal Kombat, because we're facing Raiden. <laughs> I was wondering <laughs> who was going to get to the Mortal Kombat joke first. Because we don't know what Raiden's first name is. I mean, maybe he doesn't have a first name in the Mortal Kombat universe. Maybe it is Paul. <laughs> that like, would be, that'd be weird. really anticlimactic. Like, Christopher Lambert as Paul Raiden. Like, I mean, <laughs> with Christopher Lambert playing him, I could see it. Yeah, right. Um, but yeah, okay. Let's. Um, Wasn't he replaced in the second he, one by... Uh, uh, Oh, um, Dexter's dad. Yeah. Uh, um, um, oh, quiet, shit. cool guy. Guy that was uh, in the Warriors, but then thrown off to the yeah, action. Yeah, he was in that movie Quiet Cool that I love, and he was just at Cleveland Comic Con last year. And he was in, or he maybe was, he canceled. I he think. was recast in Aliens. Yeah, he he stepped away. Yeah, was world. I was gonna bring a poster of Quiet Cool to get him to sign. Um, um, shoot, and I just transferred it to you. I'm sorry. <laughs> Oh, this has nothing to do with... I made a dumb joke, and this has nothing to do with this episode, but we're going to figure out who this is. Yeah, we're going to figure it out. Um, It is... 
James Remar. James Remar. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Yeah, I was really bummed he didn't show up. But yeah, yeah that has yeah. nothing to do no, with this. No, he's not so. in this episode. But he, didn't he play Raiden he in the second He did play Raiden one? in Annihilation. You're right. Yeah, because yeah. I, re- I remember watching Dexter, and the first time he popped up, I was like, oh, Raiden. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. All right. So, um, yeah. We're, like So this, this episode starts off with... What I think is the biggest sin of the whole thing is that it, it, it starts off with uh, the two electrician working in this cool underground lair that you find out is an underground lair a little later. Um, and they're setting up this big view screen, making sure that the sound works right. Um, and uh, Paul Radin's just overwatching everything, you know, making sure everything's working right. And the electricians are like, okay, because I don't know what sound effects you got going on here, but it really sounds like a bomb went off. And he's like, well, that's the point. And it's just, you find out that he's setting up this elaborate like elaborate uh, gag. Yeah, it's elaborate practical joke, as he calls it, for some of his special friends. <laughs> yeah, and the electrician's like, well, these must be real special. And he's like, yep. And it's just, th- that's the beginning of the episode. And I, it's a it's a weird beginning. In, uh, and then what we see the elevator, and that's when we have uh, uh, Serling show up. Yeah, which, which is a, a My great favorite entrance. intro. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is a great entrance from Serling. But it, I saw a lot of people complaining about the fact that they kind of... Uh, they give you the part of the twist just by saying that, like, this is all a big setup. Mm-hmm. But I kind of like it. Okay. It, it it gives you something later that you're expecting that it doesn't deliver on. So, And some of the characters' decisions later in the episode go against what I thought we were going to see. That, that's so, fair. I just, I still feel like, oh, yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll yeah, talk yeah. about it when we get to it. Cause when we, I, I think that'll be a good conversation when we get through and talk about the twist and everything. Yeah. Um, kind of where I thought this episode was going to where it actually ended up. So before we even get there, I forgot to mention, there's a weird fountain in front of this place. That was a, a weird <laughs> look like a melted. I don't know. It was a fountain that had been, you know, that had been melted. It's still a fountain. That was weird looking. Did you think that the building was labeled the, the Raiden blog? Cause I love like the sign says Raiden building, but it's the, the fonts weird. I'm like, wow, they had blocks back then. I'm like, that's not what that meant. Like, it was really. Yeah, it, it took the entire building to house his blog. Yeah. Cause it was uh, all uh, on paper. It was just him airing his grievances at everybody. That's all <laughs> it was. Um, but yeah, so we got Serling in the elevator introducing the episode and then, um, and then we cut like, uh, cut to the beginning of the episode and proper with, uh, the three people on the elevator riding down to what we find out is a, a room that's 300 feet underneath, uh, the Raiden blog. And, uh, uh you know, it's like, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So we find out that there are three people he invited. There's, uh, Oh, I got him here. We got uh, um, Mrs. Langsford. Uh, we have uh, Colonel Hawthorne and Reverend Hughes. Yeah. So Mrs. Langsford was, uh, uh, yeah, I said that right. I'm going to screw that up every time. <laughs> uh, Mrs. Langsford was this high school teacher. Yeah. Um, who publicly shamed him in the class for cheating on a test. And he tried to frame another kid with like his notes. Yeah. Um, so you find out that he never forgave her for publicly shaming him in front of the school, even though he deserved it. Um, Colonel, um, Hawthorne, Colonel Hawthorne, he had him dishonorably discharged for basically making a bad call and getting a bunch of people killed. Yeah. He, he had ordered him to go lead a charge and he, he decided against it. And by the time they got their act together, a lot of people had already died. Yeah. Yeah, so he was court-martialed, kicked out of the kicked out of the military, and uh, 
And Colonel Hawthorne says he would have had him shot if it was up to him. <laughs> yeah. Which was like, wow, wow okay. Yeah. Um, and then lastly, Reverend... Um, uh, Hughes. Hughes, thank you. Reverend Hughes. Uh, apparently, they, they gloss over this one the fastest, but I guess... Raiden was having some sort of affair with a lady and he shamed her so much and uh, she committed suicide. Yeah. Something that? that effect. Yeah. Yeah. So it caused one of his previous relationships to end in suicide, which is very dark. Was not expecting that, but they go through that one the fastest. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, they deal with the teacher like mostly through this episode, which I think was a uh, misstep because she was probably my least favorite performance in this episode. She's actually my favorite. Really? Yeah. I really liked her a lot in this because huh. she felt like a high school teacher. Like she felt yeah, like, I guess sc- some of her line delivery is really weird though. I mean, it just th- felt that's unnatural. Fair. I, I just, I blame, I blame uh, the person who wrote the script, not her performance. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess yeah, I, I, I actually liked her a lot because she was so, I just, she was so matter of fact in the way she said things there like, but we didn't even get to. So before we get to his uh, airing of grievances with, with these three things we just said, I like it that they, um, he, they're in the elevator and there's this like, you know, him over at intercom being like, please exit the elevator and enter into the hallway. And then, and then he's like, please come into the room and the room's all dark. And, and the, except there's like lights on the three chairs yeah, yeah. And, and over the intercom, he's like, please have a seat. And then as soon as they sit down, like the light comes on and he's in the room with them. Yeah, and he just puts the microphone down. Just it like, felt like something out of Futurama or something. It felt so like I don't what? Like I just the first time I saw that, I'm like, did they did that really happen? I cracked up. <laughs> it was like he was in the room the entire time. Please enter the room. Are you guys not surprised that I'm here in front of you? Like type of thing. I felt yeah. like <laughs> it, it, this is Evil supervillain. It was like the reverse of a smoke bomber. Like, like, it's like, what is going on? No, this is evil supervillain stuff. It's it's so stupid. It's that egotistical, just like power trip stuff that he's pulling on him the entire thing. But they're not having any of it, which is hysterical. So the chairs are kind of cool looking. Uh, The phone slash intercom thing he was using, by the way, is the same phone that was in Third from the Sun. Yeah. That that was in the house that um, that they like. So that weird alien house. Yeah. Uh, so that was kind of a cool, nice little, like, ca- not callback, but I mean, prop. But yeah, like, the chairs were cool looking. There's this spinning art installation that's going on in the corner. Yeah, it's that, almost like a, a steel globe with, like, with, with like triangles or, like, they almost look like metal paper airplanes going around. Yeah, and it's very pointy. And it's like, if you if you weren't paying attention, you would get killed by it. Like, I feel yeah. like it's like. Yeah, which yeah. is why I want it in the basement. Yeah, and then, and then the full bar. Like, there was, like, this fully stocked bar that was crazy. Because like, you cannot have a secret lair without stocking a full bar. Which I like that, like, because at the beginning of the electricians are like, oh, you know, so he said something about, like, you know, you got, you went this far for a gag. He's like, no, this is a fully functional bomb shelter. He's like, yeah. and with a bar. <laughs> it's <just> like, <laughs> so I got to admit, like, in that really large screen that they had, like, I was like, this, you know, I'd probably hang out there. Just not get yeah. near the artwork, but I'd hang out there. I mean, besides the exposed rock walls when you enter yeah. and the elevator, like, this isn't far from what my basement is right now. <laughs> like, I'm trying. I got the big screen. I got the bar. Um, there's just going to be a night that I'm going to be calling to the basement. I'm going to be told to sit down. You're just going to turn the light on. You're going to be sitting there. You're going to be like, remember that night you made me bring a crock pot over? You you ruined my evening. And I, you know, I, yeah. um, no, but whenever I see secret layers like this in movies, like I always show people, I'm like, this is what I'm striving for in life. <laughs> <laughs> like now you understand my, uh, my intentions. 
Um, but yeah, I, I really dug it. It's it's kind of boring, like compared to the Doctor No Lair, which I'm gonna keep going back to, which is just like an amazing mid-century, just loungy room. It's it's incredible. Um, this one's kind of boring once you get inside, but there's just something about that like cave walls as yeah. you enter a secret lair with like the big steel door and everything. It's like, just like Doctor Nah. Is that what it's called? Doctor Doctor Meh. Doctor Meh. Yeah. Uh, so it's and can we talk about his smoking jacket and. Uh, I don't know if it was a cravat or a, uh, oh, um, or if, if that would be considered a cravat or an ascot. Yeah, he. But regardless, uh, his his clothing choices are amazing in this episode. <laughs> I, as much as much as I also feel like I put some of I put some of the blame, I put a lot of it on the script, and I'm not saying uh, oh Joseph Weissman's performance is bad. I just it's so. I, there, there's times where he says things that are so hypocritical, but he says them so like like straightforward that it's like he doesn't even get a chance to let like the irony like seep in. I just it, his his performance is fine, but it's so over the top that it, it it's just off putting, you know. And but he's definitely dressed to the nines with it. So I mean, I don't just I, I maybe he had fun with it. I don't know, but it just it there's something weird about it. Yeah. You know? Well, I I like the kind of stiff portrayal that he has during the first. 15 minutes of the episode because it he he's a man that has severe mental problems and uh you know he's he's obviously very successful um but he's someone who is stuck in his own head and is so obsessed with himself that he can't let these little things go which is definitely not uh uh, appropriate for someone <laughs> yeah. that's uh yeah that's it's amazing yeah. i i just don't know if that's considered a uh paul just showed me a picture yeah which will know. go up on our facebook here after, after yeah i i just don't know if that's considered a cravat or i don't know what that is <laughs> now that, now that you point out i can't unsee it like yeah, it's yeah you're right it's not an ascot it's not an ascot no it's i don't know what this is it's i i, I don't yeah, know I, I all i know is i'd probably get like buffalo sauce on it or something if i wore it um <laughs> But um, yeah, um, but, but yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely not appropriate for uh, someone who is uh, at the top of our country right now. <laughs> <laughs> like the, his his character definitely isn't uh, no, pertaining. No, not at all. There's no there's no parallels to this at all. Yeah, but uh, uh, so I kind of like it because it, he delivers lines like a sociopath. Like, that's fair. He seems yeah. like he has he has no emotion. Or care for any other human being in this. It's just he's stuck in his head. Well, yeah, because the whole thing is like he gets him in there. He, you know, he they wonder why they've been called, and even then he's still like, "I'm glad that you could join me." And, and like uh, Hawthorne was like, "No," the Reverend was like, "Well, like when your driver showed up and talked to my wife, she came back like." And like basically panicked, like it was almost like like a life or death situation was presented to these people. Yeah, like the story of how they got there is way more interesting than, this, than what actually happens in this episode. I think because they all kind of got like something yeah, had to it, drive them there, not literally the driver, but there had to be something that that was said to them to make them be like, oh, I guess I better go fall, like, get in this car. Yeah, I feel like that would have been a good way because like there are good ideas in this, and uh, there's a lot of dialogue that kind of goes nowhere. Um, this is definitely one of Serling's more dialogue heavy. Uh, yeah, heavy for the sake of dragging out <laughs> uh, runtime. I think he thought he was coming up with something bigger, like message-wise. And again, yeah. I just yeah. Anyway, but um, but it, I I think it would have been cool if we would have gotten to see them kind of converge and show up on the place without having as much as like I I there is something I enjoy about seeing the screen and the setup and everything before. Um, 
I think it would have been more exciting to see these three people get picked up, even if it was real quick, mm-hmm. um, just to see them converge and go into this this like subfloor underneath this big building and everything and not know what's going on. I think that would have been way more interesting, and, jump into this yeah, episode. Yeah, and then be introduced to... Uh, um, Raiden. Raiden at yeah. that point. Like that I, I think that would have worked a lot better. But that's not what we got. So <laughs> like Johnny Cage, I brought you here because you kicked me so hard. I'm like, sorry. Anyway. Oh. He just um, got Scorpion in the corner. <laughs> just <laughs> idling in the corner. He's just waiting. He just keeps staring at that spinning artwork. That's yeah. Anyway. So he goes through and like he airs his grievances and he, he really does lay into his his teacher. It seems like more than the rest of them. But I but I liked her because it was like when he confronted her about um you know, the, the, the public shaming, uh, she's like, you know, um, you were cheating and you tried putting your, you know, you tried passing your nose off to somebody else. And he's like, but you not even could even give me a bit of sympathy. And she's like, she's like, I've dealt with kids all like my career and I give sympathy to those that deserve it, but you don't. And it was like this whole yeah. thing I liked. Well, the, it, yeah, I have no problem with what she yeah. was saying. And she kept calling him Paul. Like she, he didn't like that either. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's, uh, there are little things in this that like give you hints into his psyche and everything that I really appreciate. And there, it wasn't necessarily what the teacher was saying. I just wasn't a, really a fan of her delivery on the lines. But I, I like the you fact that... Then like, you won't like the end of this episode. That's what I'll say about yeah, well, yeah, that. Yeah, we'll get there. Yeah. Um, um, but uh, yeah, I really like the stuff where it, basically saying like, you were a terrible child, like, and you're still terrible. <laughs> yeah. That's basically what she says to him. Well, she's like, she says to him, like, you're a millionaire three times over, which, I mean, I guess that means a lot more then than it does now. Uh, you've walked with kings. You've walked with important people. And ba- she's like, you know, you've done all these things, but yet you want to settle three old scores here. Like, you can't let anything go. And, but I also like his kind of deflection of, like, well, one saying, you couldn't have given me some mercy. And, like, he just, he keeps, like, reframing, the, the slights against him, even though they're self-inflicted. Um, and it, that that's interesting to me because he keeps reframing, like he's trying to like show like, Oh, look at all I've accomplished. And it's like, yeah, but you want something and we'll get to what that is like in a second. Yeah. But, and then he, you know, he deals with um, the Colonel as well. Uh, and, and the Reverend, you know, and it's just like, he kind of keeps going around and reframing like, you know, well, that's not how I saw the, uh, action that you gave me. And then also I, I forget exactly what he says to the Reverend in regards to driving a girl to suicide, but you know, everything is always about like, you know, but you didn't give me another chance type of thing. And yeah. it's just, you know, it, it, it really hits the nail on the head so hard that it drives through the table when we get to what his grand plan is with all of them, which is given away in the beginning. We didn't even talk about that. Yeah. But so uh, from, from that point on, uh, he's got the great line about you. You can go to the devil, like yeah. literally all of you guys, which was <laughs> weird thing to say. Um, but so he basically tells them like, so they are going to bomb us. He doesn't give a country. Yeah. He just says uh, in a half hour, they are going to bomb us. We're going to bomb them back. There's going to be nothing left. Um, the world's going to be over. Uh, you can leave or you can stay down here and survive, basically. So he presses button next to his chair and the emergency signal goes off. The take cover signal goes off. And uh, I like that they don't question. It's like, D- you just pressed a button. Yeah. What did that button do? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> very blatantly reaches over and presses a button. But whatever, it's it's a convincing enough uh, radio signal coming through. When I, I like that, like if you notice, the chapter break happens there for yeah, commercial break. Yeah, I wrote down a uh, weird commercial break. I, wrote, because, I was like, that recorded message is about what to do in attack so long it goes through the commercial. Like, that's yeah. what it felt like. <laughs> But it, no, it's it's kind of off-putting because there's no music. Like a lot of times when they go to commercial, it's on some sort of like sting or something yeah. where it's just like you get the big musical moment or you get something like bombastic before you get to that break. Like this one just has reaction shots of them with this alarm going off and just fades to black. Yeah. And then just comes back back into the same situation. And it's 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 very weird feeling, but it's kind of it's kind of unsettling too. It, 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 it works, and so the, the one the one big piece of trivia about this episode, and this tells you kind of where we are with this, is that, I, and the one, <clears throat> the one book I have, it published the, the whole um, uh, air warning script, like that portion, because that's all actually correct. Oh, so, wow. but it go, but that's the only bit of trivia is it publishes like the six paragraphs of this uh, air warning, and there's really nothing else. There's one other bit of trivia about the episode. We'll get to that at the very end. But it's like if that's the most interesting thing about this episode is that 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 um, the air warning script wasn't changed. I don't know how I feel about everything yeah. else. You know. So yeah. Anyway, like uh, so that that happens, and then so they're given the you know the like the, the knowledge that the bombs are coming, yeah. and and yeah. Yeah, so the reverend's the first one that's like, you know what, I'm going to leave. Like, I would rather spend my last hour, half hour with my loved ones than to be stuck down here with you. And um, at that point, like, as he's he's debating whether or not he's going to leave and whatever, uh, the air raid sirens start going off. And they sound yeah. like they're in the up up on the main, on, on the ground and everything, not in the room. So those start going off, and he basically says, "Like I'll allow you guys to stay here if you do one thing for me." And so, yeah, <laughs> he he basically wants them to apologize and and beg for his beg forget- for forgiveness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like yeah, and then they could stay there. And then um, it's like I like that they're like, "Oh, well, is that all?" Like basically, like yeah, we're not gonna do that. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's the thing because he sets up. I cracked up when I watched this because. They set up at the beginning this whole elaborate prank with the video screen mm-hmm. and everything, and you're expecting that big moment. You're expecting a moment in this episode where the three of them are going to sit back and see the video footage of like the cities being destroyed and mm-hmm. everything, and just have this like big emotional moment. But you don't get that because they're all just like, nope, nah, we're gonna leave. <laughs> yeah, because like the river says he wants to give me his wife, and Raiden's like, oh, you know. So basically, he's calling him out, saying, you know, you seriously, you'd rather go do that than the one thing you're really thinking about is how you could save yourself and all this stuff. And he was like, he's like, and if that, and the Reverend was like, if that's the last thought I had or the last statement I had, he's like, that'd be the most false thing I've yeah, ever said. Yeah, that'd be the uh, most yeah. false or most yeah. bold lie I've ever said in my life and or whatever like, he says. But yeah. yeah, I just I cracked up because like they're all like, yeah, no, we're gonna leave. Yeah. <laughs> And so you're expecting this like big moment with the video screen and everything and it doesn't happen. They all just, they all leave and you can see him panicking. You can realize that like this whole thing is something like he needed to keep his mental stability (laughs) and it's just falling apart around him and you just see him panicking. And uh, I was a big fan of like at this point, I was loving his character. It does go downhill uh, pretty quickly at the very end of this. But um, 
just the panic in his face and everything. And as they like keep going through doors, he keeps like moving with them yeah, and like, like trying to hold the elevator door open. And he's like, "Are you sure?" He's like, "If you leave now, like you know, yeah, like there's nobody up there." <laughs> I got you parting gifts too. No one's gonna get a free gift if they leave. Like, yeah, know, the like, teacher tells him he'd rather she'd rather uh, spend her last day with a stray cat than to spend it down yeah, there. She'd rather. The... She's like, I'd rather be in Central Park with someone I don't know than be with you. Yeah. <laughs> a stray thing. cat. Like, yeah. <laughs> so yeah he he gives them a choice and they just straight up leave well then the one point she says too she's like you know hey you know like uh surround yourself with mirrors because they'll do the job you know you won't you know they, they'll mean nothing but you won't be lonely and it's like i'm paraphrasing but i there's a lot of clunky dialogue but i like how she's just like you know you only want to see yourself anyway and just just yeah, go ahead and look at it about yeah. like and, and you live in a uh your life is an illusion anyway, so yeah. you might as well just uh, see reflections. Um, so he's panicking and everything, and he goes back into the room. And by this point, the video screen's going, the speakers are blasting, and he goes in there, freaks out. And at this point, he's just completely lost it. And uh, this is where his character, his performance just goes way over the top. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm still kind of okay with him he knocks one of the speakers off the wall with a chair and he smashes the screen which i thought that was like a projector or something yeah i just I, I don't think they i don't think they could have done an actual glass screen that big then yeah, with what no. so whatever but he's paul Raiden. he's a, yeah, a millionaire he's, three times over yeah. you know and i you know i've looked into uh how much it would cost to build like a bomb shelter <laughs> so it is not cheap because i i don't necessarily want a bomb shelter i just want like that hidden secret floor like so you're not you're not a doomsday prepper you just want to have like a cool yeah i just want to have like a sliding bookshelf that goes to a staircase what what if you had like like a bat cave what if you had like the the uh, the kitchen island like in the new halloween movie where you press a button and just swings out and it goes into like the well there it was like you know a survivor basement with guns galore but it'd be great to be like mine would just be like a bar yeah and like a bunch of like like a a record player (laughs) yeah just a bunch of couches and stuff like you invite people over it's like well i guess they're not here i guess we can go home now you're just like down in your speakeasy yeah, all, basement all of a sudden like the cabinet moves out of the way and i just pop up in my smoking jacket like yeah like i'd have to be on the uh the speaker though yeah, be like, please join me yeah. you'd be like you know join me in the bar but first you must beg for my forgiveness <laughs> like what did we do nothing just, <laughs> just apologize not party hard yet you know um yeah, but, yeah. so he freaks out he's destroying everything in his uh, amazing underground lair and he decides he's gonna leave so he hops in the elevator and goes up and we get twist number one <laughs> Well, I guess number two, if you count the fact that they won't apologize and just leave, yeah. which is my favorite twist out of this. <laughs> um, he goes out, he goes up, and when he finally reaches uh, ground level, there is nothing left, and a bomb has gone off. Except for his ugly, ugly ass fountain. Yeah, well, I mean that was already hit by a bomb. So. Yeah, <laughs> uh, just uh, so, and then he's just like looking around, and he makes this, uh, I just. Will Ferrell esque moaning noise, like this, this, ah, like this, ah. I couldn't believe he was actually making that sound. I, I it just keeps going. I literally could not believe he was making that sound when it started. I was like, I thought the cat was doing something, but nope. <laughs> yeah, so he's freaking out and he kind of hunches over some rubble. Yeah, um, and then we get twist number three. And we're back in New York City or whatever big city it's in. And uh, he's he's hunched over the fountain just crying. 
Yeah. And uh, a police officer comes up and basically asks him if he needs help. or uh, yeah. I think he offers him a ride at one point. So he, yeah, but like how, how the cop is like, oh, buddy, it's okay. And then everybody's like, look, and he's like, just move along. It'll be fine. And he's just like, and Raiden's like, where, where is every everybody? You know, it's just this whole thing. And I'm just like, what? just happened like yeah and then they cut back to him in his head in the wasteland in the wasteland all by himself so you know he's stuck in his head weird moaning aside and stupid fountain that's it's a really good like interesting set yeah um it's just that it's wasted in this episode and also we've seen time enough at last yeah so we've seen you know which is uh hundred times better in this one. Yeah. I mean, there's there's a lot I do enjoy about this episode. Like I this is one of those ones like I think aesthetically I'm really into it just because I've I've been watching uh I've been sick for the I apologize we missed last week for an episode. I've been sick for like 2 weeks with this cold plague. Um, you, you, you're sick with cold play. That's what you got. No, you plague. Gonna... <laughs> plague, not cold play. Chris um, Martin came over. He's hung out. For a yeah. Bit. <laughs> he's the you one guys, that got me sick. You guys just, you guys just, you know, jammed out just and noodled like, a little oh, bit. Like, let's... <laughs> oh, all right. Anyway. Yeah. So I, I've been laying on the couch and watching like nothing but Man from Uncle and Euro Spy movies. So when I watch this episode, it was in the middle of just being immersed within hidden secret layers and stuff yeah so, i mean that's like aesthetically and yeah. seeing dr no pop up in this in his sweet smoking jacket and his ascot and uh just that amazing statue well not the statue but the uh the art thing in the background yeah that yeah. weird art deco globe thing in yeah. the background <laughs> whatever it was it just it visually it spoke to me um there are good ideas in here like i said i love the idea that like all, the three people that he was trying to get this apology or the or this forgiveness from and everything, I love the fact that they were like, "No, you're terrible." No, no it, and laughed like that was amazing. I loved it, but um, it's it's overly dialogue heavy for no reason. Um, it it drives points way beyond where they need to be. <laughs> Yeah, um, it it it's one of those things that just like insults your intelligence after a while. <laughs> like, I get it, I get, I get it. I still feel like you could have gotten the, fr- the great like screw you to him with the three of them walking away, with with the viewer not having the knowledge that what was going on was fake. I think that still would have been. I think that would have been stronger. It would have been them. heavier. Yeah, because yeah. uh, you know it would have been just. But that's why I mean, if we would have taken five minutes at the beginning of this episode to see them being picked up or at least one of them being picked up to see like how this is, how he got these three together, Mm -hmm. you know, and just seeing that as something more nefarious was going on without knowing what he was up to in that lair. Um, it would have shortened the amount of dialogue, (laughs) the unnecessary dialogue (laughs) that we had in the rest of it and gave a little bit more mystery into what was actually going on. And and if it would have ended with, with them leaving the elevator and him like, you know, saying you guys, you know, you don't know what's going to happen. And it's just him just in shambles in his own, you know, bomb shelter. That's supposed to be the, you know, can withstand anything except for, you know, human determination to not be around a dick. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I feel like that would have been interesting for him to like break the glass and break the speaker and just sit there and be in shambles, you know, because he, you know, he has everything, you know, someone could want possibly. And he's still obsessed with, the people that won't give him the respect that he, yeah. he deserves. And I think you clipped the ends so... off this episode 
and you got some strong material there. Yeah. You know? He's so egotistical. Like, he has everything in the world that most people would want, mm-hmm. but he just cannot stand the fact that there are people out there that don't like it. You know, like, it's just. They walk away, he breaks the screen, he just wanders over to his weird phone and calls the electrician back. But like, could you come over? I broke. We should. You want a drink? Like, you know, like, I can see him just be like, hey, buddy, uh, you, we, we had something We're earlier, friends, right? We're friends, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, but I, I mean, there's stuff, there's good ideas in here. Um, I just, there's I, good visuals and everything and like i I, yeah. I dug it for that and you know i'm more forgiving sometimes when something strikes a chord visually with me and and there's so. a you're right and i knew i knew you were going to dig parts of this and then when we talked last time when we did uh uh nothing in the dark and you saw that you know dr no was in this i knew you got immediately interested i've i've watched this episode two and a half times now and the last half time was because i was doing dishes and just, you know, dialogue heavy. And I looked over and I could hear it, which having this dialogue while you're just trying to clean it, whatever. Um, I do not like this episode. And, um, you know, and I was really worried here that season three, that the top and bottom wasn't really shaking out. Well, I don't have to worry about that anymore. Like yeah. it's just because there's such a strong idea in here. And then the ending is so stupid. Like I, I, I hate to, I don't necessarily think it's stupid. <laughs> I, I don't know. It's just, it's, I, I, you know, other people will defend this and they'll, the, it's like, overacted for sure. That's and it, fair. it comes off as goofy because like, of that. The, this, but, like when I made the joke about Futurama, a lot of the stuff going on is borderline that almost like, yeah. like, you know, you could see that and be like, oh, well that's just them just being over dramatic and having fun with this. But this was played so straight faced that yeah. I can't even have fun with it, you know. Other than him being in a darkened room with and that noise system. he makes, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I laugh. Uh, so yeah, I don't know, man. I just, it just this one frustrated me the first time I watched it, and I was dreading watching it a second time. And then because we had taken so much time off, I'm like, I should probably watch this again. Like I just, <laughs> you know. And also the title of the episode, "One More Pallbearer," and he says to them, you know you know, uh, one more Paul bearer for the earth or whatever. It's like, no, Serling, I get that you're trying to be clever. And his name is Paul. Paul, And it's like, you want one more person to, to, to bear with you. You want one more Paul bearer. Yeah. And it's like, come on, you know, like, yeah, it's, um, it's, it's pretty on the nose. Yeah. It it over explains itself. It drives all of its, uh, it's metaphor and I even metaphors. Did did Serling write the shelter? He, he wrote the shelter. I believe so. Yeah. I feel like this is one of those things I feel like had, this one come first and then the shelter comes second. I'd be like, Oh, well this was the rough draft of that. Yeah. You know, cause we've well, seen a lot knows? of these where he, he yeah. kind of, he splinters Maybe off. Maybe he did write it before. We yeah. don't know. You know, this it, could have been <clears throat> rambling around for years. It could be. Um, like I, I, there's, we see a lot of these where he gets an idea in his head and he kinds of runs with them in a couple different directions and you see what happens. And I feel like this was, you know, one of those directions and for as important as the shelter is and how human that is and directed by Lamont Johnson. So I'm sure when he, like <laughs> we made the joke at the beginning, he probably saw this. He's like, well, I could do some cool camera movements around the bar and stuff, which yeah. he did. Yeah. Like, and you know, he got to play with lighting a little yeah, bit because we got the, we got the fun reveal of him with the speaker. I feel like he had a bet with somebody. He's like, he was walking through like the back lot and he's like, what is that spinny thing? He's like, I don't know. Bet you five bucks I can get into an episode and don't even question it. You know, I feel like. Was, yeah, but be honest, like, that's one of the most memorable things of this episode. Yeah. Is the spinny uh, globe statue decoration in the corner. So, if yeah. it was a bet. <laughs> yeah. 
So uh, uh, the other bit of uh, trivia I had here was that the bombed out area that was used at the end was on the same soundstage as Munchkin Land for the Wizard of Oz. So I just want to believe that there's like the wreckage of like Munchkin Land in the background and like a house that fell on the the good witch or the bad witch or whatever. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, that's wow. Yeah, that's all I got for this. I I don't have any other other notes Uh, other than uh, like I at one point, whatever, um, like so, you know, Paul's trying to lay this trap. You know, this prank on everybody, explain the situation. He's like, first, let me get you a drink. He was like, you know, Colonel, do you want some rum? And it was like, Reverend, how do you take your coffee? And the first time I watched it, I was waiting for him to be like, to go. Like, just yeah. Because like, <laughs> that's basically how they responded. They're yeah. like, no, just tell us what you want so we can leave. Yeah. And he's just like, no, no, drinks. And they're like, yeah. nope. Nope. Um, yeah, yeah I, I I don't know. I'm, I'm definitely not as negative uh, on this episode as you are with the review and everything, but it, this is just kind of in the middle for me. There's there's things I really like about it. There are things I really don't like about it, and it kind of just evens out to something that is just forgettable and uh, just painfully in the middle yeah. of all of these episodes. That's fair. This one, this is, has to be the weirdest. Like, I, I, it, I mean, it's paced very strangely yeah. because I mean, it, you mentioned it before. This is very slow going for the first 20 minutes mm-hmm. out of a 25 minute episode. Um, I mean, it's it's pure dialogue. It moves at a snail's pace, which is fine. Like, I've, I'm totally cool for some of those slower paced episodes like this. But and then when we get to this payoff, you just get hit like bam, 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 bam. And it doesn't necessarily feel good. No. <laughs> like it's not like a slow burn that ends in like a gut punch. No, it's a slow burn that just kind of hurts your head. <laughs> it just kind of fizzles out really quickly. Uh, it's, it's it's it just leaves you like looking up in the sky, going. Uh, <laughs> you know that's what happens. So yeah, but I yeah. I don't know. There was stuff I really liked, like visually and everything, and the set design, and some of the ideas that were involved in the teleplay were cool. But just, yeah, there was so much that I really didn't enjoy about it that it just <laughs> it just sits painfully in the middle. So. Yeah. But like I said, I'll probably remember the uh, the globe thing in the corner. That's fair. So, all right. So. Um, yeah, that's I don't I don't have anything else. Let's just no. we're, we're just going to rate the twist. This one, you'll be surprised at where I land on this one. Five. Gonna, yeah, five because. <laughs> here's my eyes like really just because it was so stupid that i didn't see like i just there's no there's nothing to telegraph at all like it's one thing to be like oh it's the twist was in front of you the entire time no like if this if if the whole thing was this was supposed to be a gag gone horribly wrong you got that and i and i respect that the three people are like nope we're out of here but then that because his whole worldview crumbled so much that all he can see now is just devastation it's just I didn't see that coming, and I have to say, I didn't. So it's a five, not a good five, <laughs> just a very frustrating five. Yeah, that, yeah that, I, that's my new Marvel comic, the frustrating five. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah I, I'm gonna go high on the twist too for because um, I mean, there's basically the three twists, like I was saying. There's the twist that like they won't apologize and they're gonna leave. Uh, didn't see that coming because they set up the whole screen and everything. Mm-hmm. You expect to see that. So I was that was the most exciting twist for me. When he goes outside, I didn't see it coming, but it wasn't a surprise. Like I was like, okay, all right. But then him being stuck in his head, I was <laughs> yeah. like, okay, all right. It, it it definitely wasn't shocking. We've seen stuff similar to this in the Twilight Zone, but I I 
I didn't see it coming, so it got me for something. I, I didn't it, love it. It uh, also kind of felt like 100 yards over the rim where it's like, shit, we have three more minutes. What are we going to do here? Like, yeah, exactly. Like- so I'm, I'm going to give it a four. Um, I'm going to give it higher. But <laughs> this episode overall, just like right in the middle. Like this isn't going to end up on my worst, not going to end up on my best. Probably I'll never watch it again. <laughs> Don't watch it two, uh, one and a half more times. That's my recommendation. I might so. just I might just go back and snag a uh, few screenshots of the lair. For yeah. just like future, well, I mean, you uh, know, design pay, plans. Say, pay attention to the Facebook page. There might be some of that stuff showing up. So yeah, I might just have to steal some of those to add to my uh, secret layer like, photo collection. You, you, there's this trend now where uh, people are putting up music videos, like artists are just cutting uh, like '80s movies and making videos and stuff, which is fine, easy way to do it, and people recognize. Not that because this is so dialogue heavy, but I could see using some of the imagery from this and people being like, wow, that's really interesting. And it's like, oh, then you hear the words, you know, yeah. like I could see this being repurposed into something that's interesting, uh, kind of, you know, like you could probably get a good three and a half minutes out of this, you know, yeah. that would be a good editing challenge on this to actually see if you could actually cut this to make it, you know, more dramatic or make it, make it more, make it, more, make it not as goofy. I don't know about three minutes, but I feel like you could cut this down to 10 minutes and uh, make it more powerful. Yeah. And uh, definitely tighter. So yeah. I, I don't know about three minutes. No, it's I'm, probably but, doable. There's there's I'm sure there's a uh, Hollywood trailer uh, editor that could knock this thing like, out. Topher like, Grace is out there. Just yeah, like 45 hey, seconds. They yeah. just <laughs> knock this thing out <laughs> like perfect. It would get to the same speed as like the Futurama scary door sequence. Yeah. You know, it, was like, it was man. Like that was it, you know. But you so. probably get just as much out of it, which is uh, <laughs> says says all you need to know about this yeah. episode. All right, so that's it. Um, no more. We're not. One more Paul Bear. We're done with it. Um, all right, before we talk about the next episode, Kevin, how can people find us? Um, you can find us all over the place on the internet. Uh, Facebook, Instagram, I guess not all over the place. Grinder. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Facebook, Instagram, Pornhub. Um, Strange byways. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Facebook, Instagram, uh, YouTube. Um, if you want to subscribe to us, rate us on iTunes. It would definitely help us out. We're also available on Stitcher, Podbean, Satchel, anywhere you can find podcasts. We are there. And uh, as I mentioned uh, a few weeks ago on the show, please, if you haven't already, go check out on the Facebook page our live episode from October. Mm-hmm. It's still um, pinned to the top, so people, yeah. won't, you know, it's right there. Yeah. So please, we'll probably keep that pinned up until the next, until the end of the year or so. Um, but definitely go check it check it out and let us know what you think. If you want to leave us voicemails or feedback on the shows, you can leave us that and emails at strangehighwayspodcast at gmail.com. Perfect. All right. Next episode, uh, Dead Man Shoes. Uh, next week, through the good offices of Mr. Charles Beaumont, we take a walk in some dead man shoes. It's the story of a hobo. This is Sterling's words. I love it. It's the story of a hobo who takes off some shoes of a recently deceased hoodlum and then discovers that if the shoe fits, you have to wear it. And in this case, you have to do as those shoes do. Go where they tell you to and then perform some services above your and uh, beyond your norm. I hope we see you next week for Dead Man Shoes. You had me at hobo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, we're going to talk about that. Um, you know, we'll talk about Dead Man Shoes next episode. Uh, I, I don't know. I got nothing good segue for that because this episode was so weird. I have nothing to pivot into. Yeah, I, I'm sorry. I'm just kind of stuck in my own head right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We'll we'll see you guys next time. And in the meantime, <clears throat> uh... 
Pretty please with sugar on it. How's that speak up, teacher? Pretty please with sugar on it. It's what children say to exact a favor. I don't want your favor, Mr. Raiden. Let me out of here. If I'm to spend my last quarter hour on Earth, I'd rather spend it with a stray cat or alone in Central Park or in a city full of strangers whose names I'll never know.